Well, this morning we're kicking off a new series, a message series. We're calling Encounters with Jesus, and obviously, just about every Sunday, hopefully, we talk about some encounter with Jesus, but we're specifically looking at the encounters that Jesus had with people after Luke chapter 951, which is sort of a a pivot point in the gospel of Luke. Here's what it says in Luke 951, when the days were coming to a close for him to be taken up, he determined to journey to Jerusalem. And so everything from that point on, when Jesus is encountering individuals, he's going toward Jerusalem to give his life on the cross. And so every encounter tells us something about Jesus' work on the cross and our appropriate response to that work. And so we're going to do that as we look toward Easter Sunday in a few weeks from now. And today we're going to kick that off by looking at Luke chapter 17 and Christ's encounter with 10 lepers. Would you find in your Bibles Luke chapter 17 verse 11? And uh, we're going to talk about this particular passage and what it has to say about our gratitude. Every once in a while, I'll get a text message or an email from you or just a by the way out in the hallways and somebody will say, hey, I was watching one of these websites or looked on the paper when they, when they demonstrate all the names of unclaimed property in the state of Texas. You've seen these, right? And they say, your name is on there. You have some money. And I'll say, I know. So we found this out a couple of years ago. And it's true. Lana and I have like $500 that is... Uh, it's being held by the city of Austin from a utility uh, thing we had 20 years ago. We changed addresses and they wanted to send our deposit back. They didn't. And so they're just holding our money. And you say, well, go get it. It's harder to get than you think. You've got to prove that you lived in that particular place at that time. You are who you say you are, that you were married to that particular spouse. Okay. And you've got to give blood. Not really, but it feels like it's sometimes crazy how hard it is to recover what's yours. And sometimes it feels that way with our gratitude, doesn't it? Like we all know we're supposed to be grateful. But when you lose your gratitude, it can be really hard to get back. It seems like our world has a gratitude shortage, doesn't it? There's a whole lot of people walking around. Your faces look like the picture on your driver's license. I mean, you just lost the gratitude. And I think that the Lord has something better for us today. As we look at this passage together, Luke 17 gives us this glimpse about how, how you have the power of gratitude in your life. Would you look on with me as I read verses 11 through 17 of Luke 17? While traveling to Jerusalem, he passed between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten men with leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and raised their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he told them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And while they were going, they were cleansed. But one of them, seeing that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice gave glory to God. He fell face down at his feet, thanking him, and he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus said, we're not ten cleansed. Where are the nine? Didn't any return to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he told him, get up and go on your way. Your faith has saved you. So we have these 10 men suffering from a brutal disease, leprosy. They're cut off from friends and family. They're dealing with an incurable illness. And they cry out to Jesus and they find healing from the Lord Jesus Christ. And in this healing, we get an incredible lesson about how to rediscover your gratitude. Now, I I am quite certain 
that if we could have a conversation after, there'd be a number of you in this room, some watching Kingsland Online, that would raise your hand and say, Pastor, this is a great word for others, but I think I get a pass, I get a hall pass on not having gratitude right now. Do you understand what I'm walking through or what I've been through? Is this, this, and this? I, I, I'm not going to have gratitude, and that's for somebody else, but it ain't for me, okay? And I want you to know that when you don't have gratitude, the enemy is robbing you of a fulfilled life in the Lord Jesus Christ. You cannot live a fulfilled life with the absence of gratitude, no matter what you're walking through. Scientific study after scientific study demonstrates that gratitude is healthy for you. Did you know that? You live longer when you have it. You have, you have a healthier uh, peace of mind. You, you sleep better. You have more empathy when you have gratitude. But more importantly, the Bible tells us we are commanded to have gratitude. First uh, Thessalonians 5.18 says, give thanks in everything. That's pretty all-encompassing, right? In everything we're to give thanks. Colossians 3.17 ends by saying, giving thanks to the God the Father through him. No matter what you're going through, God commands us to be grateful. But that's hard to do. I mean, otherwise we could just wrap up and say, oh yeah, that's right, I'll be more grateful as I leave here. It's hard to recover that. But in this passage, as we look at this one leper, we learn how to recover gratitude. And I share with you for a few minutes three ways that God can restore your gratitude. Here's the first. You want to rediscover your gratitude? You want to get it back? Rediscover the depth of your salvation. If you have been saved and you go back to that time of salvation, you learn that there's always a reason for gratitude. Do you see? To appreciate this passage, you need to know something. Uh, leprosy, all through the Bible, represents sin. In Scripture, when you hear a description of leprosy, you almost always see an overlap of a description of sin. For example, Psalm 147.3, he heals the brokenhearted and bandages their wounds. In Isaiah 1.6, God uses the picture of skin disease to illustrate the, the sinful condition of the nation of Israel. And it's interesting, if you notice, these men would normally have nothing in common. You have one Samaritan man, and then you have presumably nine Jewish men. They'd normally not associate at all, but they find common ground in their illness and their isolation. And that's so similar to sin, right? It, it, we're all in the same place. It's not like you have super lepers and under lepers. Like, they're just, they're lepers. And the same thing, it's not like we have, we have some sinners that are way worse, like we're just, we're all at the same table of desperation because of our sin. That's what we see here. In fact, if you just write a, mar uh, a mark in your margin, Leviticus 13, you go back and read that, Leviticus 13 describes leprosy. And when you look at this description of leprosy in Leviticus 13, it might as well be describing sin. Let me just paraphrase it for you. Leviticus 13 tells us leprosy corrupts. In other words, when you have an infection, it can infect other people around you. We also see that leprosy isolates. You're cut off from family and friends. You have no, no more fellowship that you had. Can you imagine how horrible that would be? Uh, when the lepers incidentally called out to Jesus in our passage, they called out from a distance. Why? Because that was the law. They couldn't get near to anyone who was clean. Uh, verses 5 through 8 of Le Leviticus 13 tell us leprosy gets continually worse. I won't go into the details for the sake of time, but it's awful. So you start off with this outer skin disease, and then you have the pain, and your skin starts to come off, and it starts to affect your internals, and oftentimes lose your hearing, your sight. Uh, you start to affect your extremities and fingers. 
your nose, all these things become disformed. It's, it's awful pain along with that. In the same way, sin gets continually worse, right? Leprosy, it tells us in the passage, makes somebody unclean. In the same way, we know sin defiles and we know that leprosy ultimately results in death. And we know that the wages of sin is death. Say, so what does this have to do with gratitude? Listen, if you feel like life has not gone your way, the reality is our just uh, result, like in other words, what we deserve is death and separation from a holy God because of our sin. But God has made a way through our salvation. We understand the depth from which we have been brought. It changes everything. Because listen, as much as leprosy represents sin so clearly in Leviticus 13, Leviticus 14 shows the miracle of salvation as a leper is cleansed. Chapter 14 talks all about how to restore a cleansed leper, even though, by the way, there's no cure. It doesn't say, here's how you can be cleansed. It says, if you miraculously are cleansed, here's what happens to restore this person. So Jesus incidentally said in Luke 4, 27, and in the prophet Elisha's time, there were many in Israel who had leprosy, and yet not one of them was cleansed except Naaman and the Syrian. So it's not as though people were getting healed from leprosy all the time. They saw lepers, but they didn't see healing from leprosy so I'm not sure how long it had even been since they had to go to Leviticus 14 for a cleansing there at the temple. Well, watch this. Leviticus 17, 13, the, the lepers beg him, and they raise their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And it's really interesting to see how Jesus responds in verse 14. When he saw them, he told them, go show yourselves to the priest. What's Jesus doing? He's pointing back to Leviticus 14 at the restoration that takes place. And you know what he's really pointing at? He's pointing to Jesus Christ's work on the cross. Let me tell you what happens in Leviticus 14. When a leper is healed, in order to validate that healing and bring that person back into society, a very specific ritual has to happen. So the leper that's cleansed goes to the priest, and when he sees that he is cleansed, watch this. A dove has to be slaughtered, and the blood of that dove is then poured into a bowl along with some water. I know it's gross, but hang with me, okay? And then another live bird is brought in, and it's not slaughtered, but that live bird is covered with the blood of that slaughtered dove. The blood is applied to that other bird with a hyssop branch. It's pretty amazing, even if it's a little weird, okay? The live bird is covered with the blood of the sacrificed bird. Verse 6 says, He is to take the live bird together with the cedar wood, scarlet yarn, and hyssop and dip them into the blood of the bird that was slaughtered over the fresh water. He will then sprinkle the blood seven times on the one who is to be cleansed from the skin disease. You can't help but think about Psalm 51 7 Cleanse me, from hyss- cleanse me with hyssop and I will be cleaned. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. The Lord Jesus Christ shed his own blood for us. Do you see? And that blood was applied. It was applied to us by the grace of God. You see, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Now, at the end of verse 7, it says, He's to pronounce him clean and release the live bird over the open countryside. Do you catch that? So the living bird, to demonstrate that the work is completed, is actually raised to new life flies away in freedom, do you see, as a demonstration of what has taken place, that it is complete, that they're free and they're whole. 
I love this passage because it doesn't just say that they're healed from a physical disease, but there's one who's healed from their sin disease as well because when he returns, you see Jesus says, your faith has saved you. The leper exemplifies a faith that draws him to Jesus. Listen, if you want to overcome ingratitude in your life and you look back to what Jesus Christ has done when he saved you and it will change your heart about your circumstances, let me say something to you. If you want to overcome the sin in your life, you're not going to be able to pull that off on your own. There's nobody that can just say, well, I'm just going to try to be a little bit better person. It doesn't work. You need a sacrifice. You need Jesus. But that's available to you today. Everybody within the sound of my voice, if you would call on Jesus and trust him by faith, you can receive that same grace and new life. Do you see? For the rest of us who've been saved, you need to look back at that time where you first came to the cross and recognize what the Lord has done. And when you realize the magnitude of the depths from which you've been raised, it will bring that gratitude back. You want to get your gratitude back? Understand the depth of your salvation. Here's the second step. Rediscover the freedom of obedience. How can obedience lead to gratitude? Watch this. When you read the Gospels, you see Jesus almost never heals two people the same way. Have you noticed that? And in this case, Jesus doesn't heal them in the moment, but he calls them first to obedience. He simply tells them to go and show themselves to the priest. And as he always does, Jesus comes through for these men. Uh, At the end of verse 14, it says, and while they were going, they were cleansed. So in the midst of their walking in obedience, their disease is gone. Can you imagine how powerful that is? And here's the application, I think, that applies to all of us. When you're dealing with the weight of life, You're overwhelmed by circumstances. If you will ask yourself the question, what do I know to do? What has God called me to do? What will happen is we know that there is blessing in following the word of God. You're inevitably going to experience blessing even as you walk through the circumstances. And God's going to revive that gratitude in you. I'll give you an example that's coming up we already talked about today. We're about to embark on Awaken West Houston with 18 other fellow churches and hopefully you received a card when you came in today. If you didn't, you can get one on the way out. If you're watching Kings and Online, you can pick these up on our website as well. But it outlines just the way we're going to begin on Monday, January 30th, to pray for 30 days for our community and pray specifically for seven households. But you can begin even today to begin inviting the Lord to lay on your heart seven households that you're going to be praying for, that God will bring transformation. Just imagine what he's going to do. But as you walk in obedience to something we know that God's called us to do, watch how the Lord begins to restore your gratitude. When you're seeking to get out of your funk, are you willing to ask the question, what do I know to do? What is it that God has called me to change What is God leading me to pursue right now? And watch the Lord begin to work. You want to get your gratitude back? Remember the death of your salvation and understand the power of obedience. Here's here's the third thing, the third way to get your gratitude back. Understand the power of worship, of worship. Do you know that you can be grateful and not worshipful? Sure, it happens all the time. I mean, there's people who gather around the Thanksgiving table and they say, I'm just so thankful for all the good things in my life. I'm glad for that. You can be, you can be thankful without being worshipful. But I am convinced that it's impossible to be worshipful and to be ungrateful. When you look to the king, something happens in your life. 
I want to show you something in this passage. Luke 17, verses 15 through 18. Watch this. But one of them, seeing that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice gave glory to God. And he fell face down at his feet, thanking him, and he was a Samaritan. Incidentally, we read that and we understand that. Luke did not mention that he was a Samaritan until this point. So there's some shock value in the account that he's sharing here. Because they're like, what? So he came back. He's a Samaritan. Then Jesus said, we're not ten cleansed. Where are the nine? Didn't any return to give glory to God except this foreigner? Now, this is undoubtedly the most famous part of the passage, right? And this is, this is how the theme usually goes. Well, isn't it sad that only one-tenth of the people came back and 90% went on with their lives? And so I've always sort of just imagined that these others get healed and then this one comes back and the others just go about their life like, no big deal. I probably deserved that anyway, right? Isn't that kind of how you heard it? But as I looked at this passage this week, it kind of threw me because I'm not positive that's what took place. Let me tell you why. It appears that the nine who didn't come back were just doing as Christ commanded. It, it says in the text, did you see, that, that as soon as the leper was healed, that's the Samaritan, he returned to Jesus. So you'd think that the others, when they were healed, they kept going to the temple. They're still walking to Jerusalem. So what's the difference here between the two? And I have a theory Put yourself in the shoes of that Samaritan leper. He's hanging with the other nine, but he's a different cat, right? He's from a different place, and they're only united in their misery. And so they cry out to Jesus because they have this opportunity. Master Jesus, would you have mercy on us? And he says, go and show yourself to the priests. And so he's walking along, but he has to think while he's walking. I don't even know if that promise was for me because I'm not one of them. I mean, I'm not of Israel, so is he healing them or is he healing me? I don't know, but I'm going to trust him and I'm going to go. And so he's walking along and they're waiting. They're just walking along, wondering what's going to happen. All of a sudden, he starts to feel some of the pain go away that he's had for years. And he looks down and realizes his skin feels better. And, and then all of a sudden, he can hear for the first time in years, and he's realizing, man, I might get to hear my kids say daddy for the first time in my life. And, and, and his eyes, his vision starts coming back, and he realizes he's going to be able to see his family. And in fact, he's going to be with his family for the first time. He gets to hug his wife. God's changed everything. And so he's rejoicing. They're probably all rejoicing. But it had to dawn on this Samaritan, like, okay, I'm supposed to go show myself to the priest. What priest is going to have me? I mean, I can't get up on the temple mount. I'm not one of them. And he has to think, what temple am I supposed to go to? My temple of my people in Samaria? Am I supposed to go to Jerusalem? What am I supposed to do? And maybe it dawned on the Samaritan. I know what priest I'm going to. <laughs> I just saw the great high priest. And I'm going back to Jesus. So nine men were just walking to the law. And one man turned and he went back and he worshiped Jesus. Do you understand how different that is? And how it totally changes your perspective? That's what God has called us to do. Don't get so caught up in your circumstances that you miss Jesus. Don't do that. It's so easy to do that, right? To get so caught up in your circumstances, looking around at the details and miss the majesty. I came across an Instagram account this week that I thought was awesome. You can write this down or I'll give it to you later, but it's called Subpar Parks. 
And as far as I can tell, the only thing this lady has done, she has really neat illustrations of it, but she's gone to find one-star reviews of our national parks. And so she's gone to like Yelp and Google, and she's, she's allowed us to kind of laugh at other people's ingratitude. Like, are you kidding me? You went to a national park, and all you can do is like, ah, it stinks. <laughs> okay. So let me just give you some examples. This is from her Instagram account. There's a one-star review for Zion National Park, this incredible majestic place in Utah. The scenery is distant and impersonal. Really? <laughs> Yellowstone National Park. Some dude went, gave a one-star review and said, save yourself some money and boil some water at home. <laughs> it's just like Old Faithful. Somebody went to Great Smoky Mountain National Park and said, there's nothing specific to do. All right. I'm give you that checklist next time. Somebody, I've never been to Sequoia National Park, but I'd love to go. But this person would discourage you. One star. There are bugs and they'll bite you on your face. <laughs> All right. Somebody else went to the Isle Royale National Park, and here's what they had to say. There's no cell service and there's terrible Wi-Fi. <laughs> you kidding me? All right. They're so caught up in what they decided they needed that they missed out on the match. They're like, can you just look up at the grandeur around you or is that all you got, right? Can we do that? Man, we can do that. It's amazing what happens when we look up from our problems and look at the size of our God. Church, can I confess something to you today? I feel like such a hypocrite preaching this to you this morning. And the Lord had to do a work on my heart this week even getting ready. Some who were preparing the message with me this week can tell you, I, I really wrestled with trying to like change the topic and the application because I'm like, I just don't know how. Because I needed to get my gratitude back. So there's a lot of worse challenges people are facing, and so it feels even silly to say it. But I need to tell you, um, you know, we start out Christmas time this year. Len and I were going to take the whole family to Nashville, Tennessee, where our middle daughter and her husband live and have a whole family together. My parents went, her parents went, uh, Riley went, Lily went, of course, and had this great time. We get there two days later, Atlanta gets super sick, like blows up the whole thing. So we, we end up driving back all through the night, like three days later, and it just done, stinks. So through Christmas time, Atlanta's upstairs sick as a dog. And so Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> so then we get to New Year's. And Lily, our special needs youngest daughter, starts having some medical challenges. And it's really frustrating when that's going on because Lily's nonverbal. Like she can't tell us what's happening. And so we're in and out of doctor's offices. We end up at the hospital trying to figure it out. Like, come on, this misery. So then I get on a plane a couple days later to go to the Holy Land. And the reason I like to go to the Holy Land now, I've been lots of times, it's great to go. But I go because I want to see the faces of those who are there, man. I like watching you get off the bus. I, I, I love experiencing it with you. And are you kidding me? Two days into the Holy Land trip, I'm on my back, sick as a dog. I told you last week in the hotel room, staring at the ceiling with fever and everything else for a week. Man, get home. And I've just had the hardest time getting over some of the symptoms, like the post-COVID stuff, fatigue and chills and uh, sweating for no reason and cough. And does anybody care? Like, I'm just fine. I need to get a couch here and tell you. <laughs> All right? I'm just telling you, man, this has been miserable. Coughing? Like, come on. 
And, and I know, listen, we have dear friends who, who are dealing with major uh, diagnosis and illness with their kids right now, loved ones, uh, lost, good friends. And so here I am dealing with this. But I mean, when you're walking through, it's just, a, it's just like, come on. You just get so frustrated. I even felt funny this morning. I'm talking to Pastor Omar. He's back and catching up. And I'm kind of moaning to him. And I finally said, man, you got to be thinking over there. Man, I'm sorry for your illness, Pastor. I just walked across the nation. My feet are kind of <laughs> like whatever. We all got stuff, right? But, man, I have to tell you, I had to repent. Because I am being robbed by the enemy of my gratitude. And it's affecting everything in my life. So God has a sense of humor. It was a couple months ago, we started planning our sermon series prayerfully for this January. And, you know, I get here and like, really? <laughs> okay. So I've been preaching to myself today. I'd like for us to finish a little bit differently. You'll notice we're a little bit early, so don't start packing up your stuff, okay? We, we've got a little bit of something different I'd like to end with today. Rather than just pray and leave, I want us to operate here in the laboratory of worship and prayer. And so we set aside a little extra time so that we can practice by faith expressing our gratitude to the King of Kings. Can we do that? So right now I want to invite you to just take take a, a posture of receiving from the Lord. Whatever that is, maybe heads bowed. As God leads you later on, if you want to stand or kneel or whatever it is, this altar will be open throughout this time. I don't ever want us to just have prayer where it's like the opening prayer and the closing prayer and worship. God's called us to pray. Let's pray together, recognizing that we all face challenges, right? Let's practice the prayer of a life of gratitude. So right now, from your heart to God's, I want you to express reasons to be thankful for who he is, maybe what he's done, God, thank you for just filling that blank before the Lord in your heart right now. We have reasons to praise him. Would you thank him? Thank you, Lord. Now, for those who have trusted Christ in this room, I want you to just take your mind back, your heart back to that moment as far as you can remember that you came to the cross and recognized you couldn't solve your own sin problem. You trusted Jesus for salvation and new life. He became your Lord, King, Savior. You recognize what the Lord has done for you. Would you give him thanks? I recognize, as I mentioned before, there may be some here who, in your heart of hearts, you know you've never trusted him. Why not now? Express your faith in Jesus. Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. I can't solve my sin problem, but I believe that Jesus died for me. Come into my life, Lord Jesus. Forgive my sin. Save me, Lord. I trust you. Why not now? Thank you, Lord, for who you are.